Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. In this episode, we are going back in time to football history to the year of 1936 and talk about the pro football season of that year. The Football History Rewind Series Part Number 79 goes through the highlights of the 1936 professional football season, including the first draft, a rival league to the NFL, big games, and the top players. And it's all coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history, and welcome to the 79th edition of the Football History Rewind, where we go through football history year by year, and we are covering the 1936 season of the professional game in this edition. But before we do, let's sure you are aware that we have a daily newsletter, very easy to sign up for. Go to the show notes of this podcast or the top of pigskindispatch.com and join our email list. Each and every day, 6.30 a.m., you'll get the latest what's going on that day in football history and as well as many other sports history because we combine our Jersey Dispatch podcast with this as well as many of our friends from the Sports History Network of everything that's going on that's pertinent to that day of the year. So I think you're really going to enjoy it, and I hope you'll make sure you join us uh, with that newsletter each and every day. You can cancel at any time. It's totally free. Now, the 1936 National Football League season was the 17th regular season of the NFL, and it was filled with interesting items that really helped to shape our modern game. Now, possibly the most significant takeaway of the year was the stability shown in the league. Now, it was the first time since its inception in 1920 as the American Professional Football Association that there were no teams that folded and no new teams that joined. The same nine teams that played in 1935 played in 1936, and nobody quit during the middle of the season. It was the middle of the Great Depression, and nobody folded, no, uh, nobody went under, nobody went bankrupt. They played a full season. And for that season, they ended up having the first time where they all played the same amount of scheduled games. Each franchise played 12 games in 1936. That was the first time a very historic season indeed. Now, there were some competition for the NFL, and it hadn't happened in a while, not since the Red Grange League. The NFL had a little bit of competition from a league called the American Football League. Now, President Joe Carr of the NFL 
saw his nine-team league, you know, have to go up against these teams that were trying to get their business, trying to steal their fans. So the American Football League 2.0, because this is the same name of the league that Red Grange and CC Pyle had back in 1926, uh, but the, this American Football League was started by a name that we are very much aware with, and this is by Dr. Harry Marshall, the former player personnel director of the New York Giants. Uh, He was also with the Canton Bulldogs way back when as their physician and uh, did some organizing there. Now, the AFL, uh, many of their franchises, robbed the rosters of the National Football League teams that they shared the cities with. That is with the exception of Boston, who refused to take any players from the National Football League's Boston Redskins franchise. Now, we'll see in a bit how this may have benefited the Redskins, and maybe it benefited the Boston Shamrocks, the team of the AFL. Now, the AFL was the second of three instances of the alternate league that, that had this name that would compete with the National Football League. The first one, like we said, was that Red Grange and CC Pyle League in 1926. The third one, of course, was the American Football League that we are familiar with from the 1960s that brought us the Raiders and Chargers and Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, Lamar Hunt putting that all together, eventually merged with the NFL and had the Super Bowls uh, come into existence. But the popularity of the second AFL was evident when 15 cities launched applications to Dr. March to join this AFL version. Now, after careful consideration and viabilities of the teams were addressed and you know who had the money and what cities were gonna support them, March and a few others selected the six best choices to help the new league. Now, Dr. March spearheaded the effort to have it be a league with the players' input in decision-making. Not just the owners, but the players would help make these decisions. Now, March served as the president of the Fledgling Association until his resignation in October of 1936, and his replacement was New York Yankees football franchise owner of the AFL, James Bush. Now, the teams in this edition of the American Football League were the Boston Shamrocks, who were end up being the eventual champions of this inaugural year of the AFL, the New York Yankees, and this is the second time that a pro football franchise used this iconic Major League Baseball name in an organization called the AFL. The first one was the New York Yankees of Red Grange. Now, the Cleveland Rams, it was their inaugural season of the current Los Angeles Rams franchise in pro football, but they started in the AFL. The Brooklyn Tigers, we've talked about them before as well. Uh, They are a famous franchise. Then you had a couple teams that we're not so much familiar with, the Pittsburgh Americans and the Syracuse Braves. And part of that season, they were the Rochester Braves. And Brooklyn also went to Rochester at some point. Now, the AFL had attendance issues in this inaugural season with five of its six teams. You know, New York and Cleveland and Boston, they had substantial numbers at the box office, but their revenue was not enough to carry the entire load of the whole league. The other five teams, well, they were pretty much struggling. 
As a matter of fact, Pittsburgh had an average attendance of 2,500 uh, attending their games. Not very good to support a, a league that's uh, struggling and a franchise is struggling. So the AFL was looking for some additional viable franchises after its first season. And in that season, it was the Boston Shamrocks that uh, ended up winning that whole thing. And we're going to have to do a, some more digging on the Boston Shamrocks. They sound like an interesting team that we will want to discuss here for a future episode. Now, we also want to talk about the National Football League from 1936. And we'll do that right after this. If you have ever seen a sports story on TV or online or maybe in a newspaper, Chances are, once upon a time, you have seen it before. Hello, I'm Dana Augusta, former sports writer and now podcaster, and I host a show called Historically Speaking Sports, where we place a historical spin on a current sports headline or take the topic that most people are talking about and compare and contrast it through the lens of sports history. In this show, we talk to researchers, authors, and other sports history connoisseurs about what fans and analysts are talking about, yet in the terms of sports history. We also do a weekly top five countdown, highlighting moments that pertain to the subject of the show or the five greatest moments in the history of sports that took place that week. And to complete the show, we send a shout out to a famous sports figure or moment in sports history that both pertains to that episode or someone who had a dramatic role in sports history or an event in history that fans just need to be reminded of. The show, Historically Speaking Sports, where we put a historical spin on sports headlines. That's Historically Speaking Sports, right here on the Sports History Network. This is Gary Myers, author of Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And you're listening to Pigskin Dispatch. And we're back. Thanks for hanging with us for this 1936 National Football League history in our Football History Rewind Part Number 79. And the National Football League, despite the competition from the NFL, well, they kept rolling along as well. Uh, the NFL's nine teams comprised were the Chicago Bears, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, Pittsburgh Pirates, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Cardinals, Boston Redskins, Brooklyn Dodgers, and the Detroit Lions. Now, Philadelphia's owner, Burt Bell, had a great suggestion a few years earlier, and it came to fruition of holding a league-wide draft in 1936 is when the first one happened, and the Eagles ended up having the very first pick in this NFL draft. We've talked about it before. They chose a Chicago Maroons, uh, uh, University of Chicago Maroons star, Jay Burwanger. And though Burwanger never played a snap in the league, the process of the teams with the worst records the previous season uh, of getting the first selection in a draft set the standard for parity in not only the NFL and pro football in general, but for the professional sports across the globe. Yes, I think uh, the from basketball to soccer to baseball, they use the same format that works and really helps to make a level playing field for all of the franchises in a particular league. Now, there was also uh, some dark days here in this 1936 season. It was the third season of the National Football League's sort of a back uh, alley agreement of a ban on black players. There's a 12th, a 12-year ban altogether. This is the third season of that uh, ban of black players playing in the NFL. And we know that uh, nine years later here will be broken and uh, some great individuals, which we can't wait to get to that part. But the Green Bay Packers 
where they ran away with the National Football League's Western Division by outclassing the competition with a stellar record of 10 wins, one loss, and one tie. But over in the Eastern Division, there was a three-way race between teams to claim the division. It went right down to the second and last week of the season. Uh, The near end of the scheduled season, a big game was on the docket to help determine the Eastern representative in the postseason. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who would be the Steelers in a few years, were standing at 6-5 on the season in their final game against the Boston Redskins, who had a 5-5 record. These two teams were two of those three teams, and they met on November 29th in Boston before a crowd of only 7,000 people. Kind of disappointing. Now, the lack of fan support did not deter the Boston Braves, though. I'm sorry, Boston Redskins. And on the arm of Sammy Baugh, they defeated the Pirates by the score of 30 to nothing. Now, the Redskins, now at 6-5, and five, had a showdown set in the final game of the regular season with the 5-5-1 five, five New York Giants. It was a winner-take-all going to the National Football League Championship. And they were the two that remained contenders for the divisional crown because each divisional winner would play for that NFL championship back in those days. That's the way the rules were laid out. And on December 6th, the Boston Redskins won that contest by the score of 14 to nil before 18,000 spectators at the polo grounds. Now, I think that George Preston Marshall uh, sat there and observed how he had 18,000 people when he played in New York City, only 7,000 when he played back in Beantown, and it was the East choice of having a home field. Now, most teams would play on their their home field because they're playing in front of their home crowd. But because of that poor support in, you know, fans not coming out to the games, uh, you know, he wanted to go to where there was going to be some gate revenue for his team and for the league. So he ended up scheduling his home game to be at the polo grounds where he had played uh, just his contest, uh, the last one of the season with the New York Giants. So, the 1936 championship game, Green Bay Packers at the Boston Redskins from the Polo Grounds in New York City. And the Packers had that best uh, regular season record, and they ended up defeating the Boston Redskins in the NFL championship game by the score of 21-6. Now, the Packers were led by quarterback Arnie Erber, who threw for 1,239 yards and eight touchdowns, and Herber's favorite target was Don Hudson, who caught 536 yards and six touchdowns on a season. Now, those don't sound like stellar numbers, but remember back in 1936, it was a running league. That was the main weapon of the offenses. So the Herbert Hudson connection of passing and Sammy Baugh even, those were sort of the extremes that uh, people were loving to go and watch because not a whole lot of teams were, were throwing the ball in the air and throwing it downfield. So those were big numbers back in 1936 for the 12-game season uh, of the NFL. Now the Redskins, they were led by Sammy Baugh, who threw for 913 yards on the season and eight touchdowns as well. Cliff Battles was the Redskins' leading rusher with 830 yards and eight scores. So that magic number eight for touchdowns, Herber throwing for that many, uh, Sammy Baugh throwing for that many, and Cliff Battles rushing for that many for the Redskins. And so Sammy Baugh led the Redskins with those 913 yards, eight touchdowns, and uh, they ended up being second place to those Green Bay Packers who once again 
won a National Football League championship. And, you know, what a great uh, story they were. And that is the story of the National Football League and the American Football League in 1936, the pro football history of that year. And we are so glad that you were able to join us on this little treat to go back down memory lane and, and look at this great period in history. And when we come back with our next edition of the Football History Rewind, uh, part number 80, we are going to talk about the 1937 college football season and all the great things that happened there on that season and players and coaches and teams that made that season special. So we're certainly glad that you joined us. We hope you join us once again in our next edition of the Football History Rewind and our next edition for Pigskin Dispatch as we will come back with some great guests here in the coming days uh, that I think you're really going to enjoy talking about football history always here at Pigskin Dispatch. So until next time, everybody, have a great gridiron day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.